Welcome to Well Wisdom, where we visit with guests and explore topics that help you overcome life's inevitable adversities, both big and small, to find meaning, purpose, joy, happiness, connection, confidence, and strength. This is the essence of resiliency, the ordinary magic that we are all capable of. Welcome, well listeners. Today, we're so fortunate to have Peggy O'Neill joining us to talk about non-duality and the wisdom and happiness we can discover through non-duality. I'd like to share a little bit about Peggy with you as we get started. She's been coaching leaders and organizations throughout the world for 30 years after practicing law for 12. She's a certified integral master coach, a certified edge walker facilitator, and a recognized expert in professional development, communication, performance, sales, management, leadership, and creating profoundly human organizational cultures. And I think we all can agree we need a little bit more of that today. Her approach integrates models and concepts from a multitude of disciplines, including wisdom teachings, business, biology, neuroscience, linguistics, adult development theory, leadership, and quantum physics. She's passionate about people realizing their vast untapped potential to create the seemingly impossible and to address crises that people the world over are experiencing. She asks, how do we truly want to live, work, and play together? Thank you so much for being with us here today, Peggy. You're welcome. I'm really excited to be here with you, Beth, and thank you for that nice introduction. Thank you so much. So let's get started. I am curious to know um, why non-duality is an important topic for you personally. A long story, very short. In 2007, I'd been coaching for about 20 years, but I wasn't happy, wasn't fulfilled, knew how to coach, had great clients, made good money, but I thought if I'm not happy and satisfied with my life and work, then who am I to try to help people have the lives and the work that they want? So I shut down my business and got on this journey to, 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 I was seeking what is this thing that's so missing in my life that was really calling me to find out. And finally in 2018, I uh, ran across the works of Rupert Spira and found that that was the missing piece. Once I read his, the book, Being Aware of Being Aware, and started integrating that knowledge into my life, that was it. That was the piece that was missing. And so what is that? The non-dual teachings are at actually what wisdom teachers have been telling us for thousands of years. And now quantum physics, science is telling us the same thing, that we're all one being and so that was the 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 information i needed and then the um the path if you will it's the direct path to knowing our essential nature which was what i was looking for and so immediately i could experience oh this is where my happiness is i can quit seeking it's here already my happiness my fulfillment and so then it was a matter of integrating that into my life yeah, so I'm curious how this simple, I don't know what the right word to call it, Peggy, help me out, but understanding or knowledge or information that we should be seeing ourselves as one with the universe, um, one being, how does that change things for each of us? 
once we, so it, it does start with the intellect. We wanna help our mind, our rational mind have some understanding. And then when we start experiencing it because we can experience it and, 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 and start thinking about and live, let's see how I say this, you know, thinking about but also living, we're all one. Um, Ramana Maharshi uh, one time was asked how, and he was a guru uh, that taught the direct path of, uh, of uh, non-duality. And uh, somebody once asked him, um, how do we treat others? He said, there are no others. And as one of my clients, he said, oh, I'm always talking to myself. So once we really start relating to that, then our relationship with everything changes. Our relationship with ourself changes because now I realize, oh, I'm one with the universe. I'm not separate from anything. So I experience myself as, as whole and complete and, and intimately connected with everyone. Now that takes a while because we're conditioned to believe that we're separate. So it does take a while to integrate this. But then, as I mentioned with Ramana Maharshi, our relationships with other people start shifting because uh, so we see them differently. We talk to them differently. We're more open to them and we see our intimate connection with nature. So we, we start shifting how we relate to nature and so care more for nature. Uh, so those are the sorts and money or anything. Our whole relationship with all of life starts shifting as we realize we're one. And as science says, we're energy. We're one energy. Yeah. And I know like, oh, you brought up so many topics. I'm trying to think like, what's the, the best next question? But um, you talked about it starts intellectually. Um, and then our, our interactions with others begin to shift the way we go about that. Um, would you say that's like it, maybe give us an idea of what this could map, map out like. So we begin to see things differently, understand things differently, intellectualize things differently, and then we interact with others differently, and then just bring us down the path of what transforms. Okay. And I will say for me, it started first intellectually. I'm sure some people have some sort of experience that they then pursue. What is this really? So it could be the other way around for some people. And then, so, so I think you asked, so where does this path go? How does it work, so to speak? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to experience the awareness that we are. So as Rupert Spira's book said, being aware of being aware. So like right now, you and I and your um, the people watching this are aware. They hear us talking, they see us, they're aware of what's going on in the room or on the computer. And then if we pause a little bit and then notice, we also notice, and you know what? I was aware that I was aware. I wasn't just aware, but I was able to even notice that I was aware or a knowing of awareness. So I call it sinking back technically, since we're all one, there, there's no actually sinking back, but it's a way for us to relate to these teachings as we're beginning. So as we sink back into that experience of knowing, then we can feel in our being. Sometimes it's just a nanosecond at the beginning. And so we have to come back, come back. So our thinking mind wants to take us away out into focusing in on objects and activities and relationships. So as we sink back, we start experiencing the open, vast, empty space that we are. And we feel a sense of fulfillment and love and peace. 
not the not romantic love, but this just sense of well-being, if you will. And when we sense that sense of well-being, then it does start shifting because it feels so good, frankly, that when we're talking to somebody, we, once I realize I'm getting upset with somebody, let's say, it's, oh, wait a minute, I can feel this other way. I want to be in that experience as I'm communicating with this person. And I want to see them as who they truly are, just another aspect of me. I, I, I see their divine, the divine being they are. I see their one with me. Now, again, that takes some while to experience it, but a great uh, a, a metaphor for this is the ocean. So the, each, the oceans have waves. And if we only saw the tips of the waves, we'd think, oh, there's a wave over there and a wave over there. But if we step back and see the whole picture, we realize, oh, both of these waves are made up of the same thing. They're both made up of ocean. They're both expressions of the ocean. So as we integrate that knowing more into ourselves, it's the same thing analogously, which is, oh, we're all made up of consciousness. We are one with consciousness. Technically, we are, we are consciousness, and we're all unique expressions of consciousness. So as we, you know, remind ourselves how to see the other people, think about the other people, and then we, we start aligning how we talk about people, how we talk about ourselves, think about people, so our conversations start changing. Um, our uh, emotional uh, sense when we're somebody else starts changing. And so we start aligning all of our thoughts, emotions, activities, relationships, um, uh, our work with that knowing and understanding. Yeah, and and of course I'm uh, have some expertise in mindfulness. So some of the things you're describing, um, I would call meta awareness, metacognition, and we know through meditation, you know, there are changes in our brain that facilitate that. What you and you said several times, it just takes time. It happens over time. So <clears throat> what would someone be? A thinking, doing, practicing to bring about this um, stronger understanding and really uh, of non-duality and having it be part of how they live their life. One of the things to do regularly is what I said a while ago, to sink back into that knowing, to spend some time there because we're so used to um, uh, putting our attention on all the activity going on in the world. And so to pause and sink back into that so that eventually that comes to the foreground and our focus on all the activity goes more to the background. We're still able to be engaged with other people, but, we, 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 but we're leading with um, that sense of one being. Uh, so that's one of the main things to, to do. And then because we, we um, our emotional patterns hold us back. So we can actually embrace some of this sometimes pretty quickly, you know, because we, 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 a lot of us have experienced this sense of life can be different. And we, we all, most people get moved by the song by John Lennon, where at the end, and one day we'll live as one. We, we get moved by that. So I think that's that sense that knowing, yes, we are one. We get moved by that. So, um, so, but I, so we can, kind of grasp all of this, but it's our emotions hold us back. So our, our patterns of 
belief in separation, of historical maybe angst in relationships or worries and fears. And so one of the things to do, an easy uh, practice, if you will, around emotions is to welcome emotions. Just, most of us try to resist them, push them away. Oh, I don't wanna feel this. We push them away or we deny it, or maybe even we try to analyze it, but all of that energizes the emotions. So to start welcoming them. So if I'm feeling worry, just come close. I welcome you here. And that starts uh, diminishing those emotions. And, and so working with emotions is key. And then again, paying attention to what I'm thinking and saying and just start shifting the words, changing the words, what I talk about, how I talk. Those would be the, the places to start. So it sounds like a lot of intellectual exercises. Would I be accurate in saying that, Peggy? I mean, there is some intellectual, like uh, reading a book or something, but it's really more internal work. So it's more emotional and internal. And um, it's um, um, like, like intellectual, like when I'm sinking back into my essential nature, I'm actually trying not to notice any thoughts. I'm actually going into pure experience of pure awareness, pure consciousness. So I'm not thinking, so that's not intellectual. And then same thing with emotions, as I bring in them close, then I, that's an experience that I am experiencing. And um, so, um, so it's really as much as possible allowing our, because our thoughts want to take us to the past or to the future. Our thoughts can't know now. And so we really want to allow our thoughts to, you know, just not focus on our thoughts so much, unless we need them. Like, um, you know, like we're we, you know, planning today. Maybe we thought about what do we want to talk about. So that thoughts can be useful then. But for the most part, we want to relax our attention on thoughts and let them go to the wayside and focus more on now and sinking back into that open space that doesn't have thoughts in it. Yeah, and so what? Would you say then it's more about, I mean, it really sounds a lot like mindfulness. I've got to tell you, I'm struggling not to pull that word into it because that's what I know, right? We all know right. our universe, but everything you're describing um, is in the mindfulness realm about, you know, um, that meta awareness being one of the things that scientifically we know about mindfulness is that it allows us to be with incredibly painful emotions yet not react to them. So it's almost as if we just observe them, but we see them really kind of as separate from us, not, not, not getting totally caught up and giving all of our energy to it. So I don't wanna take us off track from, from the topic of non-duality, but I am just curious how that fits from your perspective. Um, well, uh... For, for one thing, we would not be thinking of it as separate. So we wouldn't be separating ourselves from the emotions. We'd know that we are one with the emotions. There's no separation. I'm not familiar with the mind. I mean, of course, I've heard of mindfulness for years, but I've never studied it. So I'm not familiar with that domain. Uh, so I don't feel at all qualified to really compare them very much. But, but just one of the things you said that we wouldn't separate ourselves from or think of ourselves as separate from our emotions we're actually one with the emotions now yes i guess it sounded like that a little bit as we bring them close but but 
it, but it would be more like, um, like again, a wave in the ocean. So we're experiencing an aspect of ourselves, which is the emotion and bringing it close rather than it's somehow separate from who we are. Um, and, and, um, you know, and then awareness is awareness rather than meta awareness. But again, I don't know how you're using that term. Uh, so, uh, cause awareness is who we are. Okay. It's just who we are. So, so it, so in non-duality awareness is who we are, would that be accurate? Yeah, so there are a lot of names for the same thing. Awareness, consciousness, one me, one being, source, um, infinite intelligence, divine wisdom, uh, God's infinite being is a religious name. So they're all, and spirit, they're all these names, the universe. So all names for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and then I'm really curious, Peggy, because you talked about, um, you've had a rich career, you, you practice law, you did coaching for quite some time, and, you know, you were very successful with that, but not feeling fulfilled. And so then um, finding this truth, um, and I hope I'm not overreaching and saying just really your true true nature, your true self Mm -hmm. has made your work fulfilling. So the actual work itself, has it changed? And if so, how? And I would slightly change that. So so instead of it made my work fulfilling, it actually, my work has grown out of experiencing fulfillment so it's grown out of experiencing fulfillment and so because because what I had been doing is seeking fulfillment looking for somehow my work to make me happy or my clients to make me happy instead of oh I realizing with non-duality oh I already am fulfilled and experiencing that so beyond concepts I've got a feel of fulfillment and so out of that fulfillment then I'm able to express my essential nature, if you will. We all are here to uniquely express this knowing or the, the, our essential nature of love, peace, happiness, fulfillment, consciousness, or awareness or the names for it. So how that changed my work is that um, <laughs> it's a, like, okay, how do I help people live this? You know, so that, so that, so it became an integral part or has become an integral part of how I work with people is starting with helping them know who they truly are and integrate what I've integrated so that they can live knowing who they truly are and then fully express in their own unique way this knowing. Yeah, so for so if I'm understanding correctly, it's like the experience changes, but maybe the doing or the what's being hasn't changed. I guess first is, am I on track with that or am I, am I not? You know, you're exactly right. I mean, sometimes what does happen for people once they're, um, once they realize, oh, I already am happy and they quit seeking it. And by, again, it's not intellectual. It has to become experiential. Otherwise it's going to be a real, you know, real dissonance. Like, oh, you know, trying to think they're happy when they're not. So it does start with that experience of it. And then when they realize, oh, my lot, I'm already just because just by my essential nature of one with everything and in, in this divine being, my life is already filled with purpose and meaning. And so and, I, and I'm already happy and people feel that. 
And then yes, then they bring that into the work and then they don't necessarily have to change jobs or anything because they realize, oh, now that I feel this fulfillment, I really now wanna bring that into whatever work that I'm doing. So exactly. Yeah, so just to try to crack this nut, I'm trying to understand how is it that that begins to happen? Because you talked about sinking back several times but I'm not clear on what that means. So, so from my perspective, it sounds like meditation would be a, a piece of this. And, um, and I think, you know, what science shows us is that meditation is really brain training. It's like going to the gym, but in your brain versus like a physical gym and lifting weight. And so I'm sure that there are things besides just saying, oh, now I know, then everything changes. Like how do you over time become, you know, come to a place where, um, you know, you're not as maybe attached to things that like seeking, like you, you talked about trying to seek happiness. And then you begin to say, wait, if I just experience the moment, I notice that I am happy. Like, so how does that, how do, how do you crack that nut to begin to move in that direction? Um, so, mm, so I mean, we can do it right now. It's it's a it's just a slower version of what I said a while ago. Is that the first thing is that we notice we're aware. Like right now, everyone listening, or you and I, I notice that I'm aware that Beth and I are having this conversation. I notice I'm aware I'm sitting here. My ring light is over there. I'm aware of these things occurring right now. I'm aware of, uh, you know, a, a chair over there. So we're aware of all these things. And then that we pause, and it's easier to do this if your eyes are closed, but if I close my eyes, okay, I'm aware of all this. And now I could ask myself, Am I aware that I'm aware? And between that question and our thinking mind's gonna to try to find an answer before you get to the answer. And it could be a very short period of time. There's this space where we can feel this, this just this vast open space. I even felt it right then as much as I've done this. Am I aware that I'm aware? And then before I got to an answer, I felt that incredible peace and sometimes that question doesn't work for people it's the play on words doesn't work for people so another way is to do the same thing am i aware okay we, we satisfied that and then to notice and i'm i know i'm aware and to feel that knowing that knowing where I'm not thinking about it. I just, I know that knowing that I'm aware. And that's essentially who we are. We are that knowing. We are the experience. We are ex the experience of experiencing really. We're the knowing of experience. If we didn't know our experience, then we wouldn't be experiencing. So who we truly are is that knowing. And so when I said sink back, the first time somebody does this, it might be just for a second. However, 
As a person experienced that, even for just a bit of a second, they've touched eternity. They've touched the knowing of their essential nature. And then it's coming back on, I mean, five minutes a day to come back and sit there in that knowing. And as I do that more and more often, then it, it becomes more and more real because again, we're so focused on being active and solving problems and working on this, working on that, that we pull ourselves away from this. But when we sit there, so it's a little different from meditation because you're not, a lot of times with meditation, you're focused on an object, uh, which creates duality because I'm focused on my breath or I'm focused on a candle, that's duality. And so this, I'm just focused on, I'm just relaxing into the knowing. I am I'm focused, I'm relaxing my focus into the knowing. And there is a meditation that I encourage people to do. It's called emerging meditation where you, uh, people close their eyes and then, um, and then they can notice the energy of their body. And usually for the first time, that's a little challenging for people. We're so much talking heads. We're kind of out of touch with our bodies. And so it can take a little bit. So I just encourage people to maybe spend five minutes trying to feel the energy throughout their whole body, their feet, their upper body. It can take a while. So but just do that for about five minutes. And then with their eyes closed, to notice that they cannot find the edge of their body. If they don't bring their memory into it, they cannot find the edge of their body. We, without a memory, to, of our, if we don't think about it, we cannot notice with our eyes closed the edge of our body. So that helps start sinking into, oh, I'm one with this field here. And then once we ex can realize that, then to let ourselves just feel ourselves merging into the field and to do that for a period of time and over time and it feels really that feels really good too so we do that over a period of time then it starts our bodies and our minds start getting oh i am one with everything and we feel the happiness that we are happiness some people don't like that word either so we can think of it as contentment or this sense of just everything's okay with the world so that's that's what that when I call it happiness, that's also what I mean. And so we really can sense, wait, I already am these experiences that I keep seeking. So we've been trained to seek them. We've been like, um, you know, we, well, it's too long a metaphor what I was about to say, but um, we were trained to seek them. So we, and we, people say that, find a job that makes you happy, find a relationship that makes you happy. So it's in our language, it's in our conditioning that happiness is out there. Well, we have a birthday party and we open a prayer. Oh, I'm so happy. Or we fall in love for the first time or the 10th time and go, oh, I'm so happy. And so we think the happiness is in that until we realize maybe two months later, we're in love. Now we're having an argument. Oh, happiness must not be there because it keeps changing. So the happiness and the peace that we are doesn't ever go away. So the happiness that we seek or the peace we seek, if we seek it in objects, we realize, oh, it can go away based on the circumstances. And our, if our essential nature is peace and happiness, love and fulfillment, then it's gotta be something that's always there that doesn't change. If it's essential, then it has to be there all the time. And that's what the sinking back does is help us realize oh, that's always there. If I keep coming back there, that's always there. 
So how did I do with answering your question? I think that's great. And I have appreciated um, just so much, you know, the sinking back for you to kind of help us with that little exercise about trying to find that open space, mm. you know, and how, and how yeah. to do that. And then this explanation. And as you were describing that, Peggy, um, I was thinking, yeah, we kind of put the cart before the horse when we do something like find a job that makes you happy, find a relationship that makes you happy. Whereas if we could just be with the happiness that exists in, in each of us, be with our true selves in that space, um, that I'm thinking then, you know, we empower the horse and the buggy just is there and, and, and we don't even need to worry so much about it. Would that, would you say that's on track? That's very on track. I was even, I felt my heart swell as I was hearing you. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just beautifully said. Another great way to say that. And and, and yeah, you, you got it. And that's, that's it. That's so awesome. So I have, um, I'm looking at the time and we, we still have a little bit more time, but I'm just wondering if, if this is a good question or not. Is there anything that you think we need to kind of let go of in order to, to embrace non-duality? Um, well, let go of seeking. So to, to realize when we're, when we're trying to find happiness, fulfillment, or even lack, I mean, uh, abundance, you know, we, oh, I'll feel better when I make a lot of money that we start realizing that, that that's not where we're going to find that. So, well, to, so letting go of seeking and then letting go of our beliefs that we're separate um, and then doing the emotional work. So letting go of emotions that are out of alignment, letting go of relationships that are out of alignment. It could be letting go of a job that's out of alignment. If I'm working somewhere where people are being mean to each other by nature of the culture, you know, that's going to be out of alignment. It'd be very hard to work, work there. Um, so that would be the the main things to let go. Did you have another thing in mind, or is that I can see? If I no, could... I th I think that's oh, right. Okay. And as you describe those things, I think a lot of those things that we become attached to that you mentioned come from fear. And yeah. the way that you describe non duality, there is not fear, right? There's just, um, if I can use the word, happiness, contentment, peace. Um, in, in the being and the knowing. And I think that would help us to release fear. And a lot of the things you mentioned that we need to kind of release, I, I think we, we cling to because we're afraid. Again, beautifully said, yes. We're, I, know, I'm, I grew up in a family of warriors. So that's kind of in my, my you know, we, grew, we absorb everything uh, early on in life. And so that was definitely one of my, um, just energetic emotional patterns and, and so worry it's so so enticing to to focus on those worried thoughts because we kind of think somehow that's going to help us so exactly you know letting go and so that can be challenging to not focus withdraw our attention from those worries those doubts those thoughts those fears can yeah, be very I, challenging at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has been so great, Peggy. As we begin to wrap up, I just love to leave our listeners with some great resources. And I, I know that you've got some. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just telling us about resources that you've found to be helpful for individuals interested in learning more or things that you personally offer. Because I know that you're a coach and a teacher 
So I'd just love to hear um, what you think might be some key takeaways and resources for our listeners. Okay, yeah, great. So you've already heard me mention a Rupert Spira. He has a lot of books. You could start, a person could start with being aware of being aware. He's got hundreds of videos online and a great website. So Rupert Spira's works are good. And he and Bernardo Castrup have done a couple of webinars together. So they're real easy to find on uh, YouTube, Rupert Spira and Bernardo Castrup. He's a, Castrup is a scientist. So you get the philosopher and the scientist together and it's a, a brilliant presentation. Um, let's see, did I have another? Uh, yeah, and so, and then I have a, um, a Facebook group called Answering the Call where I do weekly Facebook lives um, provide other content in that. And then I have an upcoming workshop beginning July 26th. It's an hour a day for five days. It's called The Direct Path to Purpose and Meaning. And people can go to my website, peggy-oneal.com, peggy-oneal.com, and sign up for my email list. And then they'll get the announcements of this workshop coming up July the 26th. And let's see, what else do I have? Um, yeah, that would be, and then, I, and then I, my email, I send an article out every week on my email about these topics and how to live this understanding, bring it into um, workplace and so on. Yeah, and I know that you and I are connected on LinkedIn, so people can definitely connect with you there. It sounds like you're on Facebook. Um, any other social media outlets where people can maybe tap into connecting with you, gaining from your wisdom. Yeah, well, thank you for mentioning LinkedIn. So that's a good one too. It's easy, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. I also have a YouTube channel um, so that you can find me on uh, YouTube. Um, that's it, I'm on Instagram, but probably moving away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't seem to do very well. I don't know how to work right Instagram really. So, uh, so uh, but anyway, so yeah, Facebook um, and LinkedIn are the best. That is so great. Peggy, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I feel like I've learned a lot and I'm just, it's just so interesting. And I hope many of our listeners will reach out and take advantage of learning more from you about non-duality. So oh. as we close, I'd just like to leave our listeners with a simple wish. May you be happy, may you be healthy, and may you enjoy the company of your true self. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. I hope you found today's well wisdom inspirational and empowering. Is there a golden nugget you can bring forward into your life and perhaps even share with a loved one, friend, or colleague? Here's to you and your amazing ability to be resilient, to create your very own ordinary magic. Until next time, well listeners.